Hi, welcome to the Suffer Strong Podcast, Episode 8, Redefining Commitment. In sickness and in health. Yes. That's what we call it. And it's true. This has, um, yeah, been a pretty integral redefining in our life and our marriage. And from the top, I'll just say, you know, a lot of times people want to hear from me on this topic. And in our book, I actually wrote this chapter, but... Um, To be really clear, commitment is absolutely and always a two-way street and a two-way opportunity. And um, in some ways, you know, uh, me staying embodies really all of our opportunities to stay. But Catherine has stayed with me and continues to stay with me uh, against uh, a lot of odds. And so we just uh, celebrated 15 years married, which is just awesome. And... um, you know, I guess you could take this different ways, but I mean, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And we're so grateful uh, that God would let us keep doing life and marriage together. Uh, again, uh, with a lot of opportunities for it to not continue. Um, and we're really, really humbled to keep showing up together. And uh, yeah. Um, and I, I mean, to that end, I'll just jump in. Like, uh, um, you know, I think a lot about what it would look like if I had left my marriage early on, you know, we were 26 when Catherine had her stroke. We had been married three years. We had a new baby. Um, And, you know, there was a lot of sense of, wow, this is just not what I ever saw coming for my life, for my marriage, for my future. And, you know, there was not a lot of, there there weren't many voices around me saying, wow, like you have every right to leave. I mean, thankfully, um, the story of commitment is also the story of community and having the right voices around you to say, yeah, like, no kidding. We're gonna we're gonna lift you up so you can keep going around uh, down this road and on this journey as hard as it is because we know it's right and good. And um, so there was there was a lot of that, but you know there was also this sense of wow, people dealing with medical crisis in their life at a young age, especially, it doesn't usually go well for marriages. Right. And, and I feel like we heard so many stories of the yeah. opposite. Yeah. Um, and we still do. Who left, and we, we saw do. them. We watched them. Yeah. We cried with them in person and through digital correspondence mm-hmm. letters of all the spouses who left. And all, all the spouses who left who were the patient that yeah. couldn't handle having a caregiver full time. Right. And it's really, it was discouraging, but also what's the opposite of that? It like strengthened it our resolve yeah. to not be a statistic, I mm-hmm. think. And I think when I look back on, from my vantage point, you know, on our marriage and our life and our family, and I think about what if I had left early on, it just really overwhelmed me to think of all that I would have missed out on, you know, in in our life and in our story. Um, the depth and the richness on the far side of that struggle and that suffering and that experience that I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I promised, you know. Right. Uh, but the reality was I, I gained so much more than I ever thought from that promise and that marriage and that commitment. And so the fruits of staying are so profound. And that doesn't mean that they don't come with a high cost. Uh, but I think a lot about our wedding day. We just watched our wedding video, which hmm. is just, I'm so glad we had a, I'm so glad we had a videographer. I mean, it's just hilarious. I'm so grateful to have a little, like that little time capsule. We watched it Aww. with our, our, our kids. John, who's four was not 
that interested and he was over it. But James was just like captivated. <laughs> he was wide as if he's never seen it before, which is funny. It's just like something clicked and he's like, Oh my gosh, like I've never seen, you know, my grandmother like and mom, like your voice sounded like one of those actresses from, you know, like he was just very like enamored so with all of the details. Yeah, and, and like he'd never heard my voice pre-stroke. Um, it's cute. But it was just really um powerful painful, beautiful, all the things to witness um, from our current day vantage point, what we promised to each other 15 years ago. Yeah. And we were 22 at the time, super naive, you know, as 22-year-olds are. And again, we talked about brains not being formed. Our brains weren't even formed. Right. The the really cool thing is that we married young enough so that our brains kind of ended up forming the end of them together. Yeah. And I think that's a, a large part of what and we should say we're not endorsing young marriage. We know it's well, right true. for some people, not for other people. But I mean, it worked really well for us. But for us to, to um, I don't know, kind of embody that reality that we all stand on altars, promising things to each other, not knowing. For instance, with Catherine under her wedding veil, there was that AVM that would cause her stroke, and I had no idea of it. She didn't know either. And so we make these promises and covenant to each other, not in a really contractual way. Well, oh, as long as you didn't, you know, hide anything or right. as long as I knew all the details. Like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, I'm promising uh, for all of it, no matter what is under there, no matter what's deep inside, no matter what may be revealed or what will break open or what won't work out down the road years to come, I'm going to promise that I'm going to still be there. And as a quick caveat, I mean, look, this is our story. We think it has a lot of universal um, application for relationship, but we're not, um, you know, we want to be sensitive to people who are experiencing things like abuse and things like um, neglect and abandonment. And again, right, those are terms that I think uh, can be underdefined or overdefined, frankly. And right. I think the the real importance is um, in figuring out in your own relationship if if that's part of your story. Um, getting somebody who's an, an objective uh, third party, getting somebody, whether that's a therapist or counselor or a pastor or um, a friend who who deeply loves you and your relationship, not just like your BFF who's like, oh, I want you to like come out and party with me again. Like, so you like dump like that, you know, your spouse is terrible, whatever. Like not that kind of advice, but like just somebody who says like, you know what, I do see I see this and it's not okay and it's not right. Let's find healing for it and all that. So again, I'm just, I'm giving a caveat when I talk about commitment, when I talk about staying, um, despite living and leaning into right. a story that you didn't see coming. I'm, right. Of course, I'm not talking about if you're uh, abused. I mean, I feel like largely, you know, women, uh, almost with this weaponized sort of like Bible and gospel, like, right. oh, like you, totally. like you just have to like, deal with it and put up with it with long suffering. We've, we've experienced so many people in their relationships who, um, you know, who have stayed in, in, in wrong and dangerous circumstances because they thought that was what a a good Christian Christian girl should do. Yeah. And I think, uh, without putting too fine a point on it, I think, um, the call of the gospel is about, uh, putting to death (laughs) certain things. And I think even uh, if I may be so bold in a relationship when there is a dead relationship, like it needs to be buried and that might look like separation or divorce. Again, that's not what I would advocate. I think, you know, marriage is, we're big fans of it. And yet I think sometimes we've got, you know, there, there are circumstances that are so dysfunctional as to be dead and they need to be buried. And luckily 
um, we serve a God of resurrection and there's that hope always. But I think so often people hang on to these dead things, these dead relationships, or much worse, these damaging, dysfunctional, murderous relationships as right. if like that's the right and good thing to do. And so anyway, that's a little aside, but just to clarify, so no, I don't get any emails about, well, you know, here's my circumstance and how could you advocate for that? I'm not advocating for that. But most of the time, I think people end up giving up on their relationships not because of abuse or neglect or abandonment, whatever, but because they're just discontent and they're right. not happy and it wasn't what they thought. Right. And certainly we promise and covenant to uh, our spouse's uh, problems and the stuff that happens that we didn't see coming. Right. And um, I think, I think, I think um, therapists or social scientists or whatever say like every marriage, almost every single marriage has at least two or three iterations. Like right. if you're married long enough, like you're going to change love and human humanity relationships like we're they're evolving we think like it's this concrete thing and the reality is like we all are going to have a couple of different marriages add in like craziness like medical drama or right. you know yeah. major loss or right. big changes moves whatever you're going to have some different marriages like it just suffering births you into a new person so the question is in a relationship are you going to learn to love a new person. Right. That's are the, you always the question. Are you going to learn? Are you going to pivot? Be willing to, yeah, to right. keep showing up even when you roll over and you're like, I don't even know who that is next to me. I don't know them anymore. We spent all these years doing all these other things or working on the kids and now like the empty nest and I look over, I don't even know who I'm married to. Right. And I think, well, guess what? Get to know them. <laughs> guess what? <laughs> you should roll over and say, hi, good you morning. You should say, hey, what's your How name? You? Let's Could meet. I grab you some breakfast in bed? Yeah. I think... Um, <laughs> You know, it's just, it's so tragic when I hear about these people getting divorced after like 30 or 40 years. I'm like, and like a lot recently. It's so I'm like, sad. just let's just keep going to the end. You got, you know, you're almost there. Let's be honest. Like, just <laughs> yeah. let's not start over. That sounds so depressing, too. Okay. I mean, getting on Bumble at 65 or 70, right. I can't think of a more <laughs> awkward thing. Gosh, <laughs> just like, just spend some of that energy getting to know the old, the old, crazy person next to you right the old oh, lady man. who looks kind of different might be well i guess bumble maybe the old man <laughs> whatever i don't know what it's called is the one for you awkward well um we digress we digress yeah i mean i think a lot of what, what we're talking about is redefining our expectations and that's for this yes. whole book um but how much more so in relationships where you're really trying to do something that is super um mysterious as paul says that is super uh, supernatural really to have two people that in their own flesh and in their own focus, you know, would not prioritize the other. Right. Like this is this is the work of the kingdom of God. This is the way of Christ. Like that I'm going to put my needs above your own. I'm going to sacrifice for myself. This is love. This is the truest expression of that. And um, yet we still can't help but expect things. I mean, expectations aren't bad. That You don't have a relationship if you can't expect something out of somebody. Like I expect that you're going to show up when you said you're going to get me or like I expect you're not going to cheat on me or I expect you're going to fill in the blank thing. Like that's a requirement of relationship. But so often we just project all of these things, maybe like the way that my mom did it. I just expect that's going right. to be how you Show do it. Or like my daddy always it. told me like, well, that that was good for that generation and for that time and for right. that person. But like this is something <laughs> new and we should adjust his expectations if we want to have uh, the opportunity to really sacrifice and give ourselves to each other in a way that that brings about health and flourishing. So expectations are pretty huge. Yeah. Um, 
And again, we don't just marry um, the problems, but we marry the potential of, right. of our spouse. And right. that's super hopeful. Um, you know, that, wow, like, I don't see you manifesting this just yet, but I see it in you. I see who you're becoming. I see who God made you to be. And I want to be a part of that process of unveiling that in you and and you to the world. And like um, the problem often with that, we get tripped up in the midst of that is that we think we're the ones who are supposed to to make the changes, that we're the change agent for right. our spouse. Because, oh, right. like, this is, like, who you're supposed to be. This is the best you. And but we're, not, we're not called to be the change agent. Yeah. We're called to be the cheerleader. Woo-hoo! Give me a cheer. It, we are called were to never, celebrate uh, what God's doing in their story that's right. and not try to change them. I was going to say, you were never a cheerleader, were you? You could no, have been. No, I didn't make the squad. <laughs> you were a little too, <laughs> too long-limbed for I'm that. I'm just kidding. I, I didn't ever try out, but that's because I wouldn't have made the squad. You would, was, you're a great cheerleader, though. You, you, they missed out on you. Well, I think the key for all of us in marriage is to be the cheerleader and the student and recognize, like, my number one job mm-hmm. is to learn about my spouse in our marriage. And not like, I mean, this is a funny example, and I know we're in the South, and it's a big deal. However, why, why, why does everyone know the, like, 1965 score of this team sport and how critical it is to know this team's number of hits and da 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 mm. and whatever. Like, that's so ridiculous. But they don't know, like, basic info about what makes their spouse tick. Or mm. let's turn that on its head, gender-wise. Why <laughs> does some lady know every single time Nordstrom has a shoe sale ever mm. and there's zero info about their husband? That's so ridiculous. Like, learn each other, study each other, know what makes the other person tick, get into their hobbies, get into their lives. Like, why are we so obsessed with things ultimately that are not going to be as our bedside as we like dying, mm. but we're obsessed with things yeah. that don't know us back. That's wow. ridiculous. Anyway, that sorry. A, that was a deep cut. That was a sick burn. As yeah, James would say. <laughs> as James said, sick burn. That's an it's area true, of, of deep so passion for me. It's why yeah. are people wasting their time with things that really, truly do not matter? Yeah. And I just happen to think, as awesome as sports are in so many ways, and I love so many of things that sports do for us and <laughs> shoe sales, I guess, <laughs> I and whatever, all the things. Like yeah. ultimately, living people yeah. are um, of a very high value you and a marital relationship like you've covenanted the your highest, life to someone yeah. so don't let um something really stupid take precedent well it is the, it's back to that distraction thing and i think it's back to the um the fear of being known fully you right. know it's like subconsciously we're going to fill our time and our mind and our energies right. with things that don't matter because like, we, no, we're no, scared no, baby don't talk to me now i gotta see the score of this <laughs> we game don't want to be are known. you joking listen to yourself <laughs> oh my gosh well i think we're all guilty of that for sure and i think ultimately yeah it's just it's it's hard to be laid really bare uh to be intimate to um say i've made mistakes and and i i'm gonna offer that to you in a very like you know, intimacy is not just about sex. It's about like our our stories and yeah. our fears and our hopes for our future and, and being real enough to share those in a way that is going to um, put it on the table that maybe the person's not feeling that anymore and they might leave. And I think what's, what's really interesting about marriage, which has kind of culturally been 
uh, demonizes this ball and chain or like, oh, you're just limiting all your options or your freedom and, you know, you need to just cut yourself loose as if that would let you transcend to this like uh, ultimate reality of self-actualization and uh, on quite the, quite the contrary, I found it's just like marriage is the safety net. This this like opportunity that you can really be fully yourself, and you don't have to be so scared. Um, again, in this in this kind of covenantal marriage, of of being abandoned, because you've promised something that is transcendent on circumstance and time and feelings and emotion. That um, you're you're going to be safe to be truly yourself and be known. And you're going to be fully loved um, in the best case scenario because of this marriage. Uh, the, um, the German theologian and uh, martyr Bonhoeffer, we, we always quote from yeah. when he did a marriage. It was kind of, I think it's like kind of randomly written in a letter or something. It's really powerful though that effectively he says to this couple who's, who, whom he's marrying that your love, the emotion has brought you to this altar, to this place of marriage. But now the marriage itself, this promise is what's going to keep that love going in the future right and i think so often we we just expect something different we think like wow like you know years down the road and with all these you know the 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 history that we've gone through and struggle and all these things that the love is going to be the thing that keeps it fueling and that's a, a real narrative we hear constantly and if you're not feeling it then you have every right to to get out of that situation and it's inauthentic if you're not feeling it. i think the reality is like of course we're not feeling it all the time nobody's feeling everything like just because you're not feeling your job doesn't mean you just ditch i mean some people do and doesn't you know they have a hard time like making making it work in their life but like <laughs> they have a hard time making money making yeah rent and um uh, but like you don't just stop doing something because you're not feeling it and how much more so in a relationship like of course right. you're not gonna be feeling it. it's well it's think hard. about it with your children you're not feeling your child so do you leave them <laughs> no. no you stick with them um and i think that opportunity to say um, i'm not going to be just feeling led and feeling driven um is, is kind of countercultural right now right. which is interesting and and rather to say like there's freedom that i don't always have to be feeling it i don't have to like put on this fake facade and then like years later it just explodes or crumbles because it was fake all along. I can be real. Like I'm having a hard time not feeling it, but we're safe to express that because we've covenanted to continue to be with each other in the seasons of feeling it and not feeling it. And what's really cool, uh, I think just psychology and even uh, this passage, I think C.S. Lewis talked about, um, I think it's in mere Christianity, um, that so often our our feelings follow our actions. So right. he he brings it uh, up the the example in Nazi Germany that the Nazis didn't like all just hate the Jews always, but they acted in hate towards them for so long that it really created this feeling of hate more deeply intensified in yeah. them. But the, the reverse is true, and I think it's so hopeful in marriage to say like even if I'm not always feeling the love, if I act in love, if I do the thing that I know is loving and honoring and sacrificing uh, for my spouse, eventually I'm going to feel loving to them. Like that hard heart is going to melt away, that the the not feeling it is going to turn into feeling it. And, um, you know, it's cyclical, different seasons of life, things change. But I think that's so hopeful to, to say it's not inauthentic to not be feeling it and rather to then continue to act like our friend Bob Goff, like love does, like love is an, love is an action and that creates the feeling too. Is so that's hopeful to right. me, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's really 
uh, also been a prayer, I think, is it's so easy to get our heart hardened over time in our relationships. You know, we maybe put our heart out there and our spouse hurts it. And, you know, maybe it's not even some big thing or some big betrayal or rejection, but just over time, just these, you know, the day-to-day struggle of relationships makes your heart just a tiny bit like more crystallized, like here and there. And just like if untended to over time, it just hardens up to a stone. And then it's really hard to go back from a heart that is completely hardened. And I think in the Bible, we see all these examples of people who've let their heart or God's like allowed their heart to be hardened. And um, I pray (laughs) all the time still, including right now, um, that my heart would be soft towards you. And you pray the same for me, that there would not be this sort of sense of just like pain that makes our hearts harden, that we'd be soft, they would be soft towards each other. And uh, we'd continue to act in love even if we're not feeling it. And then that we would feel it once again. So that, uh, that's our two cents on commitment. <laughs> For those of you in marriage or want to be in marriage or not in marriage or were in marriage, like I think there's just, there's much to be found in this picture of, of committing in relationship, uh, maybe even when it doesn't make sense fully, um, but committing like we've seen in the picture of, of Christ to us. Like it's, it's not um, tit for tat. It is this ongoing, never-ending, unstoppable goodwill. And thankfully, it's not done on our own strength. Um, yeah. But we believe it's an act of the Spirit, and it's supernatural. And we want to lean into that and pray for more of that. Uh, this is not something we can do on our own and will ourselves into it. But, um, yeah, it's a powerful thing that we not only get to experience, but then that gets to uh, be experienced by the world, by people watching us. I think a lot of folks have been encouraged by our marriage to keep going on in their own marriage. And so that helps us keep going on in our marriage. So that, right. sort of that, that bearing witness and telling that story of, of our relationship to people, um, uh, it doesn't just end in our own home. It, like, it goes beyond that, and it's a, a ripple effect. So it's powerful to keep going. Yeah. Let's Hopefully keep going. we'll keep going. Another 15 years? Yeah. Another 50. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Suffer Strong podcast. You can find out more information on this idea of redefining through our new book, Suffer Strong. You can also find out more info on our ministry, Hope Heals, and our story at hopeheals.com. You can follow us on social media, including Instagram at Hope Heals. Hope to see you soon.